Last week, we looked at the subject of bearing one another's burdens and um, just how important the one another's of Scripture are in the interaction of a local assembly with uh, trying to obey the Word of God and uh, relationships in, in church. It was 1971, and a young 20-year-old young man walked into a church building in Pendleton, South Carolina. He uh, had just recently trusted Jesus Christ, his Savior, just a couple of days before. New, new Christian, hair a little longer than it is now, a good bit longer than it is now, um, had just come out of living about two and a half years of uh, the most wicked life he had ever lived in his life. Gone off to college, uh, tried to do everything that his parents didn't let him do when he was at home. I uh, was, that man was me. I went into a church building that Sunday night for the very first time, the first time I had been in church in two and a half years. And I found a group of people who loved me. I, uh, very shy, um, bullied as a child. Bullying is nothing new, by the way. It's been happening now for a long, long time. It was when I was in high school, and that's been over 50-some years ago. I, um, I had buck teeth. I couldn't close my, my lips. Uh, I could open a Coke bottle through a picket fence. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> But I, I found out that night that there were people who genuinely cared about me and accepted me. And tonight we're going to look at a subject, not bearing one another's burdens, but forbearing one another. Forbearing one another. Found in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, living according to the gospel, with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering. Notice this phrase forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. It literally means to put up with each other. Um, just the songs we sang tonight, I think about what Jesus has done in redeeming me and buying me back out of the slave market of sin. How that now, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I'm accepted in the beloved. He's accepted me. Someone uh, talked to me just a couple of days ago, a new Christian, and said, Preacher, I just don't seem worthy of it. I said, you're not. Unworthy. And yet he's made us worthy. He's made me worthy. Look at Galatians chapter, just a book before that, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. When you talk about the overarching one another's of the scripture, we said was to love one another. Notice what it says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For brethren... 
You've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but serve, by, but said by love, serve one another. And then Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Look with me beginning in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. And see how it, it talks about bearing with or forbearing one another. For it says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, a heart of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. We're going to preach next week on forgiving one another. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Then it says in verse 15 of chapter 3 of Colossians, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called into one body, and be ye thankful. In Ephesians 4 and here in Colossians 3, it talks about putting off and things were to put off and being renewed in the spirit of our mind and putting on the new man. A part of that is, is that we're to be forbearing one another in love. We're to accept one another. Not, not everybody's sin. Matter of fact, if a person's a believer, we're supposed to confront it. But we accept them. How about the person who rubs you the wrong way? We're approaching Thanksgiving, and in every church I've ever pastored, we've had people who have come to talk to me and said, Pastor, pray for me. We're going back home for Thanksgiving. And then they would tell about some uncle they've got or grandpa or somebody that is just a nuisance to be around who usually ruins most family gatherings. Preacher, pray for me. I'm going to have to go back around this particular person. A person who does not change person who's critical and judgmental and sometimes people who are blind to their own failures who don't realize that they're the kind of person that what they're doing is actually causing other people a lot of stress in their lives they don't realize they had a need in their own life for change as we do all do as we look at others, we realize that God has told us we need to remove that beam out of our own eye before the speck in the other one's eye. For we do need to change as well to be forbearing one another in love. Forbearing actually means to be patient with others' weaknesses when they're not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe when they're just O-D-D. That's me. I've got O-D-D. O-D-D is odd. I'm, I'm, I'm peculiar. And, and I look at you. There's some of you that are O-D-D as well. Yeah, I see your hand up there. Someone has said these new uh, things that people, psychiatrists are coming out with now that they say that our child has O-D-D. Oppositional Defiant Disorder.
I had that when I was growing up, but my daddy had something to say about it. And he, ha he applied the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge, and it worked. It worked. But there are some people who are just peculiar, and all of us have our idiosyncrasies. I do. I have a bunch of them. I'm just odd. I... But we people put up with you when you're odd. I had a, I was just thinking of some different folks we've had in our churches through the years. We had a fellow that he went between two different churches in Houston. We called him Amen Earl. He'd spent some time down at Brother Roloff's home and the children's home and and uh, he would call me up on the phone and, preacher, pray for me that I'll win the lottery. <laughs> preacher, if I win that lottery, I'm going to start tithing. <laughs> preacher, I need to find me a woman. He had run up high telephone bills on the psychic net network. Trying to find somebody that with a crystal ball that would tell him about the woman he was going to find. Finally, we had an activity at the church, and, and he said, uh, Preacher, a couple of days before, Preacher, pray for me. I'm going to bring a date to the activity we're having at the church. So uh, he shows up. He comes inside the house where we were having the activity, and I said, Earl, where is she? She ain't much. I left her out in the car. <laughs> One day there's a big freeze in Houston and the pipes are all in the ceiling and uh, over there we're not, they're not used to it. It got down to 13 degrees and people were not used to having that low a temperature and some people had gone off on uh, Christmas trips back home and their pipes had frozen. So my assistant pastor in Houston was preaching in another church, and Earl happened to go to that church that Sunday. And so he asked, he said, now I know that a lot of you have had frozen pipes. How many of you had water this morning? Earl raised his hand. He said, preacher, I had orange juice. Just as serious as he could be, I had orange juice today. It wasn't that kind of water he was talking about. I had an African-American lady started coming to the church in Shiraw, and can I tell you something? There was some friction in the beginning days when an African-American lady walked into a church in the South. Amen, Shirley. She brought a whole carload it was a station wagon carload of grandkids. We would often have more in Sunday school than we did in church back then because she was going to go after the Sunday school to her church for a little while. She ended up joining the church. She's passed away now, one of the biggest funerals ever held at that church. But she said, Preacher, I've got to go to the Praise Tabernacle this morning. They want me to play the tangerine. And so she'd go play the tangerine. <laughs> but when we put that grandson of hers 
in that baptistry for the first time, that African-American boy, it ruffled a few feathers until we begin to preach on a subject like this. We're going to spend eternity together. Every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation. And we need to love one another and forbear one another. Amen, Shirley. Ended up joining the church. Wore a big old flop hat every Sunday. We loved her. We loved her. I had a fellow in one of the churches I was in. He had a peculiar laugh. Do you know people that laugh funny? I mean, I love to laugh, and, and, and sometimes I'm loud, I mean, in laughing. But he had a peculiar laugh. I analyze people's laughs sometimes. He had an air laugh. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like that. He was odd. But did you know he came to a church where people accepted him and loved him? He found the love of Jesus Christ. It's interesting some of the words that Paul puts before forbearing one another. He's got meekness and humility and patience and long-suffering. Some of us have family members Forbear one another in love. And they do the same for me. We have church families. Dr. Will Sin, who pastored University Baptist Church in Clemson for a long time and now, or been over 20 years, out in Colorado, Westminster, Colorado. I had him come one time and we went around all the group homes in the, near Sherrall, South Carolina all the group homes because we had a guy in our church who was from one of those group homes and he came in, special needs guy, and he wore a helmet every Sunday. Had a helmet on. Freddie. Would you? I love you, he said. I said, Freddie, I love you. We had a special Sunday where we brought all the group homes and called it God's Special People Sunday. And I had Dr. Wilson to come and preach. And a little boy that I had coached in baseball, he was one of those kind of fellows that in T-ball where you, every time he hit the ball off the tee to coach me, I held his hand and I took him to first base and then I walked him to second base and then third base. And in the last game we had, every parent was up and uh, screaming and hollering and carrying on. The last game he hit the ball off the tee. And I reached to grab his hand. He said, no coach. And he ran to first base. And he ran to second base. And then third base. And he ran home. And I mean, we let it go, buddy. He was in a group home. He came to God's special people Sunday. I was up at the platform. He came in late. He came in that back door. 
He ran all the way down. Oh, coach, 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 he said. That boy found love. Somebody accepted him. Forbearing one another in love. Think about Peter in the Bible. I mean, he was one of the fellows we could have said, I don't know whether I want to be around this guy or not. He was like, much like some of us. He put his mouth in motion before he put his brain in gear. How about James and John? I mean, the ones that said, why don't we just call fire, down fire from heaven on him? <laughs> That's the way to do it. Or Lord, when you come into your kingdom... Could one of us sit on the right hand or on the left? You're talking about an odd question. You're talking to our Savior. Would you want to be around James and John? How about Jonah? He hated Ninevites. They might get saved. He hated them. I like it when it said God came to him a second time. Came to him a second time. But we could forbear a Jonah, a Peter, a James, and a John. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This passage of scripture tells us about accepting others. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And what did Paul say? Of whom I am chief. Would you want to hang around the chief of sinners? I think about how that Saul, who became Paul, he was the one that persecuted Christians. And the disciples and the early disciples were are fearful of him. But we forbear one another in love. Looking how Jesus has accepted me, he saved me. He patiently and lovingly with grace and mercy bears with me as I grow to be like him. Romans chapter 15. In Romans 15, again, verses that God has greatly used in my own life on this subject of could we accept other people? Romans 15 Beginning in verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, wherewith receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 
Notice there's connection there with unity. And if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4 in our passage of Scripture, our text, Ephesians chapter 4, where it tells us we're to forbear one another. It says in verse 3 of Ephesians 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We put up with each other, warts and all. Several years ago, I remember listening several times to a focus on the family. I don't approve of everything that's on there. But they had a program called A Man Called Norman. Have any of you ever heard that program? A Man Called Norman. Some of you have. It was about a fella who had a next door neighbor that was a social misfit. He didn't bathe. He didn't get out into public at all. Wouldn't shave, recluse. People used to bullying him all the time. And this guy said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to love Norman. He tells a story. I listened to it again this week. He tells a story of taking Norman out. This tells a little bit how old it is. This is what we used to do at Dollywood. We'd go ride the bumper cars. I mean, you know, the ride on the bumper cars and... If you could get somebody like my a sister, if I ever got her over in the corner, what would you do with that bumper car? You would just pound a hound out of them. I mean, just do it. And they rode Norman in that bumper car. He was in there with him, and he said, then I realized that not just literally, but figuratively, that's what people have, how people have been treating Norman all of his life. He said, I'm going to love Norman. And he loved him to Jesus. What about people who have different ideas than you? I, we were with Fred and Gail this after, afternoon and I, we talked about Brother Roloff. And, uh, every time Brother Roloff came to a church, all the preachers put up their coffee pots. What about if somebody says, well, I tell you, I don't drink coffee and I don't like other people who do. What if they're a vegan? I mean, they, everybody's got to be like me. We homeschooled for 22 years, but everybody, I didn't force everybody to be a homeschooler. I didn't look down my nose at somebody who made a different educational choice. Matter of fact, I fought for school choice. It's not my way or the highway or my way is always the best. Or somebody that says, preacher, do you eat barbecue? I point them, I point them to the fact that Peter saw that sheet come down from heaven. Thank God I can eat barbecue now by the grace of God. But there are certain people who get their own ideas that everybody has to do it just like they do it. 
And I'm not talking about sin now. I'm not talking about something that Bible forbids. But some of their preferences, they pass on to everybody else. And we need to learn to be forbearing one another. Romans chapter 12. Boy, it it would be good if you haven't done it already to look at that chapter in relationship to the one another's of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, it says, verse 16, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, nor condescend to men of low estate. But Notice this, be not wise in your own conceits. And then verse 18 says, And if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It might be not be possible with everybody, but at least you're making the effort. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Then 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. When I thought about it in light of forbearing one another and putting up with people and how people loved me the very first time I came into a a Baptist church. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love. Notice this. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and I have not love, the next three words are important. I am nothing. I'm nothing. Unless I can learn by love to forbear others. Josh Pate's father, Dave Pate, who is a, he's a character of a fella. Uh, he used to ask me about books that I was reading, and then he would tell me, he said, I don't read many books, but I read a lot of book titles. I got a book several years ago at the Wiles that the book itself wasn't near as helpful to me as the title was. And here's the title. Your reactions are showing Your reactions are showing. Don, you don't know what it means to us to have you in service tonight with us. I see that wheelchair and I think about Brother Capel and his nursing home ministry and some students and ambassador who go to the nursing home and how, as a young preacher, I used to do Sunday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon services at a nursing home and take my children. I wanted them to learn to love people in wheelchairs. Learn to love people who would yell out during the the service. There was a lady in that nursing home every service. She said, I got the dedication. I got the dedication. And you you got children playing violins and piano and all of that. And then I remember when my young son, I said, John, I said, this Sunday you're preaching. I said, there'll be a lady back there that tells you she's got the dedication. But you just keep right on preaching. You love people. 
love people. What should we do then? Tonight, I believe we ought to examine ourselves. What, what are some of our own irritating actions and attitudes that we have? Do we criticize in others things that are even true in our own life? Do I shun others who are different than me? Am I even becoming angry with them? I told Fred today that one joy that we had in a church that I pastored was we had several Hispanic people starting to come to the church. They couldn't understand what the service was about. And so we began to pray because I wanted our neighbor, our, our church to reflect the demographic makeup of our neighborhood. And I was thrilled that those men from Mexico were coming to the church. So we did the best we could. Had a few people that had been uh, missionaries in Mexico. And then a man came to the church who had been, it was a retired missionary to Guatemala. And I said, brother, I think you're the answer to our prayer. And so we set a, a camera in the auditorium and set a television set in another room. It's actually in another building. And we set that television up over there and he sat around a table and translated the morning service into Spanish for those folks around that table. I remember when the first two of those men trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. We were shouting the hallelujahs. Because there were some people, I'm telling you, we're talking about Columbia, South Carolina. There were some people, we don't know whether we want some of those Hispanics in our church or not. When they got saved, what a blessing it was in our church. And also, when another one got saved, he was here illegally. And he came to that missionary and he said, I just want you to know Jesus is changing me not only on the outside, but he's changing me first on the inside. And I'm here, and I'm not supposed to be here. I'm here illegally. I need to go back and make it right. Would we love people who speak a different language? I know these missionaries, the folks in our church, they, that's what they're used to. But when I went to Houston, you go to a grocery store, and about everybody was from India. And they would, the kind, I'm not talking about the woo-woo kind, I'm talking about the dot kind of India. And they, they're the kind, they're the kind that, that, that in a class, a society, that when you're in line, they may think that they're more important than you, and they just dart right in front of you in, in the grocery line. And they're speaking a language you could not understand. And you have to say, to love that person. Help me to forbear one another in love. Do you shun others who are different? Do you even become angry with them? Do you find yourself being oversensitive? Do you need to seek out and ask forgiveness for not being forbearing of others? If biblical confrontation is needed, we need to speak the truth in love if we're dealing with sin. That may be the case sometimes. Do we need to ask forgiveness from our God 
for not being forbearing in love. Forbear, accept, receive, greet one another. Don't shun each other. Show them the love of Jesus Christ, the one who didn't shun us. Let's bow for prayer. Father, help us to be a kind of people that knows what it means to forbear one another in love. Thank you, Lord, that we realize that you died for the sins of the whole world. You've shown the love that you have to a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, to a people that the Jews hated and hated the Jews. We pray tonight for Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem tonight. We pray that, Lord, tonight we would be a people that shows the love of Christ and knows what it means to forbear one another. And thank you that one time Jesus included us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.